1: Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA Podcast. Today's episode is the audio version of a webinar that I did uh, maybe a year or two ago with Matt Halpern of Periphery on the topic of standing out in a crowded industry. So. If you are a designer or photographer or musician or anything else where, you know, sometimes you feel like you're just one face in a crowd of millions and you wonder how you're going to get anybody to notice or give a shit about what you're doing, we will tell you how in this podcast. Before we get into that, there's a few things you can do to support the show if you like it and you want to help us out. Number one, you can share it on social media. Tag me, tag the guest. It really helps a lot to spread the word. Number two, you can pick up some merch. I've got some new shirts, uh, coffee cups, some other cool stuff in the merch store. There's a link to that in the show notes. Number three, you can support us on Patreon if you really, really like us. That is actually how we fund the show because I still lose a lot of money on it. It's because of you guys that were able to do the show at all. So if you want to do that, you can join the Patreon at the link in the show notes as well. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Welcome to our very first live webinar. We'll be doing more of these as part of the build-up to the class we're working on, which you may have heard about. It's called Sell It Without Selling Out, and it's a DIY marketing class for creators. So if you're a photographer, a graphic designer, an illustrator, a videographer, any kind of creative who wants to turn that into your living, then we're going to help you do that because we know that so many of you are struggling with the marketing part. You're great at doing the work not so great at the marketing part. That is what we're here to help with. So today, what we're going to do is go a little bit deeper on the video you may have seen us uh, share today about standing out from the crowd. So, you know, these the reality is that these are crowded fields. You know, there's literally millions and millions of people fighting over the same fairly small amount of work. And I know for a lot of people, the biggest question is like, oh my God, how do I stand out from everybody else? Like, how can I Differentiate myself among the sea of people who are doing a lot of the same stuff that I am doing. So Matt touched on that in the video we shared today, and we're going to go deeper on it uh, in this webinar, and then at the end. So we'll maybe talk about that for fifteen or twenty minutes, something like that, uh, and then at the end we'll take some questions. So stick around for that. Uh, if you have a question, just leave it in the comments here, and we'll uh, we'll get to it get to it at the end.
2: For sure. So um, I'm not sure if. Everybody here has seen the video that we shared out earlier. Uh, It's on my socials on Facebook and Instagram. And we also shared it via the Funk Rock NBA socials. Um, But it's all about positioning yourself uh, for success as a a creative. And uh, I want to do a quick recap of the main points that I touched on uh, in that video, just so those of you who are tuning in now. Uh, who may have not seen that can really understand where we're coming from. And if you have seen it, this will be a nice recap for you as well. So um, whatever you are doing as a creator, whether you are selling your own service or you're selling some sort of product, um, there's a couple things that that need to happen in the be, in the very beginning. First, you need to understand what it is that you're offering as a service or product. Second, I think you need to be good at what you do. You need to have um, a really keen focus on what your talent is and what you're offering um, and be passionate about it. But beyond that, it's extremely important to figure out what makes you different as well. Um, because when you figure out how you can be different from everyone that, that's out there, um, that will help inform pretty much everything else that you do with your product or service. And I just I just want to sort of um, drive this home that, You can be the most talented person in the world in your area. You can, you know, have the best branding in the world. But as Finn said, this is an extremely competitive area for creators and creatives. So if you're not different, then it's not going to be good enough. So just being good, just being talented, just being passionate, not enough. You have to differentiate yourself. So, you know, I know that in my own experience, I know in Finn's experience, We've really sat down and essentially looked in the mirror and asked ourselves the tough question of why is anyone going to care about what we have to offer? And in fact, I mean, we've, we've done that individually and as a, as a team with the course that we're going to be offering for you guys as well. We've, we've said, okay, why does anyone care to learn about, uh, you know, marketing themselves as a creative? And what do we really have to offer that's different from everyone that, that, that's out there? Um, and we were just brutally honest with ourselves. You know, we, we struck away a lot of things that we could have focused on and that we could have added in to our presentation because honestly, there, there's just so much out there that's already being done in that world. We needed to really focus in and hone in on what made us truly different. Um, and, and really try to figure out who we were as individuals and as a team. And it was very important for us to do this now. And it's taken a lot of time for us to do this. But it was important for us to do this now rather than later um, because we just kind of looked at this and said imagine if we did all this work we released these courses we put it out there and then all of a sudden we realized that the content that we had the way that we delivered it wasn't authentic wasn't valuable and honestly it just kind of blended in with everything that's everything else that's out there if you guys just you know didn't give a fuck about what we had to say because it just was more of the same shit over and over that you're seeing all the time then we would have done you guys and ourselves a disservice. So the big thing here is to have that conversation with yourself. But the, the the positive side of this is that you don't have to look very far. You don't have to make something up. It's not something that you can contrive. You just simply have to look in and be yourself and understand what makes you authentically or even innately different than who else is out there and embrace the shit out of that. It's about looking inside and deeply understanding what's there. So Finn, does that make sense to you? And in, in our experience, even with this course, I know you've had to do a lot of this as well with yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're asking that question of each other, literally, like all day, every day, we're always going back and back and forth. And it's like, man, does anybody care about this section? And, you know, there's been a few times where we said, no, I don't think they will, like, you can either get this somewhere else, or it's just, not something that, you know, we think, you know, we're just, basically, we're just ruthless with answering that question for ourselves in the same way that you should be.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've had the experience through other things we've done, but there's a lot of people that I know personally, um, and that I've watched from afar, who I don't know personally, who have really knocked us out of the park with their creative talents. Now, I'm a drummer. Um, A lot of, you know, our audience here that's probably watching are musicians. So you guys may know, Um, a couple of the people that I want to talk about real quick, but there are two drummers uh, right now that I just want to briefly mention who I think have done such a great job at figuring out their own voice and and their own fingerprint with how they've managed to market themselves, Um, you know, and and one of which uh, is already kind of gotten to the point where I think it's a pinnacle for his career, (laughs) excuse me, and then another who is, kind of still on that journey, but it's figuring this stuff out. So um, Matt McGuire is an amazing drummer. He's from Australia. Um, He put out YouTube videos and and still continues to put out YouTube videos uh, pretty consistently. I think he's got over 800,000 followers on YouTube now or subscribers on YouTube right now. But what I've always loved about Matt's presentation is that it's pretty much been consistent for his brand and he absolutely knows who he is. So he figured out what he was going to do. He, he kind of said, all right, I'm going to put out these cover videos um, and, you know, I'm going to pick songs that I genuinely like, that I'm genuinely passionate about. Uh, I'm going to play the way that I want to play. Um, and he definitely has a signature sound, a signature look, signature feel. And then he also decided that he's going to film it a very specific way. And uh, through his content um, over the years, Matt was able to really elevate his platform so much that he got noticed by people that were so far out of his local area to where now you have Matt who is just from you know I think he's from Brisbane Australia now playing drums for the Chain Smokers which many of you know or don't know is one of the biggest Uh, musical acts, you know, over the past couple of years. I mean, they're they're playing huge arenas. I think they even, in some places, play stadiums. But Matt was able to secure a job all because he really figured out who he was, what his sound was going to be, what his content was going to be like. And then he put out covers of him playing uh, the Chainsmokers music. And they saw it led to him getting that gig. Um, So if we take a step back and sort of look at what he did in just steps, this is something that you can learn from. So he looked within himself and he said, "Here's who I am as a drummer. I'm going to be relentless in putting that out there in my performance, in the way I move, in the way that I, in, you know, in the way that I express myself." Um, then he said, "On top of that, I don't want to just teach. I don't want to just play things that you know are original. I want to do covers. I want to do remixes of covers in a very, very cool way uh, that's going to be entertaining for people." So when you combine those two things with finally, this very specific way of shooting the video, he was able to put together this visual brand that captured a lot of attention. And over time, with his consistency, he built up his platform and got what some would consider, what many would consider to be a dream gig. And he did it all from one location using the right kind of marketing. Um, now, the one, the, the other uh, person I want to touch on is a student of mine named Spencer Bowman, who is a, a great drummer from Vancouver Island. And right now, he is in the process of building his brand. And I met with him recently, and he said to me, look, Matt, like, I really want to get out there, but I don't want to leave Vancouver. You know, I'm really, really happy living here. So what can I do? And I basically basically explained to him and kind of mapped out the same similar blueprint that Matt McGuire followed in order to eventually get the Chainsmokers gig. and Obviously, they're not going to do the same things because they're two different people. They come from two different places. They they have their own unique uh passions and 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 brand direction and visions for what they want to do. But the framework is what's really important here. You have to figure out if you are determined to live where you want to live, you're not willing to get up and go elsewhere, then fine. Then you really need to figure out the right medium to deliver your service or whatever it is that you're offering. You need to figure out what the most unique and truly special way of doing it is for you. And then you got to really differentiate yourself combined with your talent and your brand. And when I explained this to him, it really kind of, you could see the light bulb go off and he started working on this stuff. And now he's kind of going in and out of these different options and trying new things and putting stuff out there, but he's testing it. And I think over time, if he continues to figure out how to really focus in on what makes him different combined with the talent, he will also succeed in his goal as well. So, Finn, does that make sense to you? I mean, are there steps there that you think that we can extrapolate from this?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things that I would want to highlight there is that you have assumed that they're both very good drummers, right? And, that, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's not enough. They're both, I'm sure, excellent drummers, but there's not a shortage of excellent drummers in the world. So you have to ask yourself uh, if you're uh, the guy living on Vancouver Island, which I don't if you've ever been there, I understand why he doesn't want to leave. It's amazing. Uh, but if you're in his shoes, you go, "Well, I'm a great drummer, but there's millions of great drummers all over the place. Why would someone work with me? Why would somebody go through the extra time, effort, and expense of working with me up here in Vancouver Island as opposed to somebody in their backyard? I've got to bring something really special and different to the table in order for people to care." And that that would apply. It's going to be the same thing regardless of what field you're in. So if you're a you know, a designer or an illustrator or something like that, you know, living in, say, Columbus, Ohio, and you want to be working with clients in L.A. or New York or something like that, you have to ask those same questions of yourself. You know, there's lots of good designers and illustrators in L.A. and New York. What is going to make these clients work with me halfway across the country as opposed to the person in their backyard? And I'm not trying to say, uh, I'm not trying to be negative here. You can definitely do that, as the examples you've shown uh, illustrate the point is just those are the questions you you need to be answering or asking rather and you need to be very 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 honest with yourself like being good at what you do is not enough what else do you have to bring to the table beyond simply being good
2: yeah absolutely that's absolutely it and i think so the next point that we really try to drive home with this um and where we were going with this in you know in the videos that we just posted um is I think it's really, really important to double down on the one thing that makes you different. So, if we reference again what Matt was doing uh, with his videos, you know, he really just focused on performing covers. He wasn't putting out educational material. He wasn't performing drum solos. Uh, He wasn't even putting out any of his original music, uh, you know, by any means. He was simply focusing on. Uh, the one thing that he was going to do to really elevate his platform. Um, and, you know, I'm even guilty of this myself of putting out content that, you know, is, is sort of all over the place in certain ways. Like I teach, I also put out drum solos. I also, you know, put out music with periphery and that does work for some people, but I think you either have to have a platform for that, or you kind of have to be able be like a freak to pull it off. So if you are, uh, a visual artist and, you know, you can do video and photography. When you're first starting out and you're looking to market your product or service, don't do both. Pick one or the other. Choose video or choose photography. You can always get to the other that you don't choose first at some point. But if you're trying to establish yourself as a service provider or offer a specific product, people are going to believe that you are capable of being an expert at one thing. It's going to be very hard for you to convince them that you're amazing at two things, three things, four things. It's it's just, it's something that I see so many people make the mistake of doing. And it's not your fault. I mean, we all have different passions. We all have different things that we love to do. But when it comes time to really put yourself out there, it is paramount that you just choose one thing at a time and don't move into a new area. And so you've absolutely knocked that one thing out of the park. It does work and you can do multiple, but start with one. And I just, I can't emphasize that enough, you know?
1: I had a real struggle with that actually in my own career. Uh, For those who don't know me, which is probably most people watching this, I've been fortunate enough to work on a lot of different things in my career. Like uh, I did design for Abercrombie & Fitch. I was like the creative director for an action sports and music magazine for a while. I also worked for a product design firm that worked on stuff like Febreze and Swiffer and a bunch of stuff like that. And those are all cool, but they don't really, in the eyes of most people, those are three things that have nothing to do with each other. Like the fact that I worked on Swiffer means a lot in the world of product development. But to somebody who is, you know, making skateboard videos, they don't care, right? And to me, in my head, it's all the same thing, which is making stuff. But that's, that's in my head. In the eyes of other people, which are the ones who will hopefully write me checks, those three things have nothing to do with each other. So I put a lot of energy into, A, saying no to things that aren't uh, going to kind of further me down the one path that I've chosen, and then, B, given that I have, like, this history of kind of seemingly uh, random stuff, telling a story that that makes them all seem like they are part of the same thing. So, It it was tough. I I realized, like I, I, you know, maybe spent eight years or something like that working on all these different things, and I was like, man, this is awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I thought people were going to be excited about that, and it was the exact opposite. What I heard from people many, many, many times is they go, well, this is all cool. I don't know what to do with you. Like I don't know where I would hire you and what to do because you can do a lot of stuff and that's cool, but none of them is a perfect fit for the things that I'm looking for. So you might think that by doing a bunch of stuff, you'll open yourself up to more opportunities, but it's it's actually the opposite. And so you have to have the discipline to just say, this is the one thing that I do. I'm going to focus on this to the exclusion of everything else,
2: in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that that really, I think, comes down to something that you and I have talked about a lot, Finn, which is specializing, right? Like we have to specialize our, our, our creative sort of, you know, set into one area and be an expert at just those those things or that one thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what that that's what that's exactly what you are doing now in your profession. You've specialized, and it's, in my opinion, it's some wonders for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of, and uh, in, in one thing that I think is important to understand is that the thing that you end up specializing in may not necessarily be the thing that you set out to specialize in. Like I've kind of found this weird little. Niche of marketing to people who make music. And I would have never guessed in the world, never guessed that that would be where I'd end up, but here I am. And that's like such a tiny thing. Like that's actually not a big market at all, but I'm way more successful than I ever have been in the past. Not like specifically because I have like just really absolutely doubled down on that thing. And that's why I'm working with, you know, all the people that I've worked with is because like there aren't, I don't really think there's anybody else that can do what I do in the music world. Um, And so that kind of brings up the next point that I wanted to drive home is that, as I mentioned before, like, there is a fear among a lot of people, including me. I mean, I still feel this fear all the time. There's a fear that by specializing, you are limiting your options, but it's actually the opposite, and I'm going to explain why. So I I said before, kind of how that worked in my own career, that um, by working on a bunch of different things, I ended up spreading myself very thin, such that people wouldn't you know, take me that seriously in any one of those things, or they didn't look at me as an expert in any one of those things. And now I've experienced the opposite. And so here is an interesting thing that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, is how specializing will open you up to more opportunities that you didn't expect. So what happens when you become a master of one thing People respect you and they value your opinion on things that are outside your area of mastery, which seems weird, but that's how it works. So as one example of this, there is a design firm uh, called Invisible Creature, which Ryan Clark from Demon Hunter uh, was one of the founders of that, if you know that band. He's also a, an excellent designer along with his brother. So these guys started out doing a lot of music stuff. So they did, like, album covers and posters, stuff like that. Um, and so you would you would think – that when a big client, like, you know, now now they work with companies like Target and Microsoft and Amazon and stuff like that, you would think in the eyes of of the client of these big corporations, well, what do album covers and rock posters have to do with our business? You would think that that would prevent them from working with those big companies, but it's actually the opposite, and here's why. Because those big companies, when they're picking who they want to work with, they don't want people who are just going to regurgitate more of what they're already doing. They want people who are going to bring something fresh to the table, right? So when they're looking at designers or design firms to work with, they're not going to pick the one that worked with all the other big, you know, software companies like Oracle and whoever else, right? Because they're going to go, well, that's boring. That's If we work with those guys, we're just going to get more of the same. Who should we call? Hey, why don't we call those guys that are doing all those cool rock posters? they'll do something different, right? And so that's actually exactly what happened with Invisible Creature. They started out doing all these rock posters, and now they're doing the same work that they did on the rock posters for Target. So they did, like, you can go to the the Invisible Creature uh, website, and you'll see this. They just did the new, uh, like, Target Halloween display, which is really cool. And you can see it's the same stuff they were doing on the rock posters, but it's in Target now. So that's how, like, specializing and becoming a master in one thing Building, like, going, going, like, really deep and narrow in one area will actually open you up to opportunities beyond what you expected. So another example of that in the design world, I used to do a little bit of work for a whirlpool, They make, you know, fridges and ovens and microwaves and stuff like that. Uh, the designers that they wanted to work with weren't people who had been doing fridges and ovens and stoves and stuff like that because, again, that's boring. Like, we don't need more of the same. We need fresh blood. We need, like, new creativity. So who did they work with? They called the guys that were doing, like, cars and consumer electronics and fashion and stuff like that to do what they did, you know, bring some of that, like, fresh creativity to Whirlpool's appliances. And so, you know, they called these guys, and I'm sure they're like, yeah, look, I would love to design some stoves for you, just so you know. Like, I don't know anything about stoves. I'm a car guy. And they go, that's exactly why we're calling you.
2: Imagine having a refrigerator that drives itself for you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, or, or, you know, a fridge that looks as cool as a BMW, right? Like, that's what they want, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Or, you know, in the case of Target, it's like, you know, a young parent is not, you know, we have to remember that the parents of an eight-year-old now are probably in their 30s, right? So what does someone in their 30s want? They don't want the boring shit that, you know, uh, Kroger would have. They want something cool and fresh that looks like it could be on a rock poster, right? That's what a 30-year-old parent would want. So that's how this dynamic works. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but the point is, do not be afraid to specialize. If you think that you're limiting yourself, you're wrong. And then second, you can also charge more, which is awesome. If you're a specialist, if you're one of a handful of people that can do what you do, you'll be able to charge more than anyone else, because people will go, man, that fucker's expensive, but we got to have him because he's so damn good. Like, okay, fine, we'll write the check. Uh, So A, you will get more opportunities, you think, and B, you'll be able to charge more. We all like to be able to charge more.
2: Yep, for sure.
1: go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode.
2: Kind of touching on uh, what we were discussing before in line with specializing, you know, once you figure out your talent, once you figure out how you're going to be different and how you're going to be specialized, um, it's. I think it's important to figure out who you're marketing towards and how you want to do it, you know? And that is... Uh, that that's a really important thing to focus on. So Finn, you and I have sort of mapped out a few options here just to, to kind of uh, drive this point home. But do you want to dig into oh, like yeah. how picking picking an industry or medium or an audience can help with that?
1: Yeah. So I mean there's no formula for how you know to specialize, but just a couple of ways you could think about it because I know it's kind of like well how do I specialize? What should I do? So here's a few options of how you could do it. Uh, so one is you could pick an industry, like say healthcare or fashion or food or sporting goods, whatever it is. Uh, second is you could pick a target audience, like maybe it's children or maybe it's moms or senior citizens or attorneys or bodybuilders or whoever that is. Uh, and you could pick a medium. You know, like if you are a, you know, if, do you do videos? Do you do only print design? Do you do? You know, portrait photography, do you do web design, packaging? Maybe you just do icons. You know, there are people who only do icon design. So then you put these together and you start to, you start to come up with some very like tight, clear positioning statements. Like I do websites for healthcare companies. That seems really clear to me. And like very, like it's instantly clear where you fit. I do Facebook marketing for fashion companies. I do documentary-style marketing videos. I work with brands who target young moms, you know, stuff like that. So you can see how, like, by combining kind of your, you know, creative passion plus layering on, like, a medium, an, an industry, a target audience, something like that, you start to, like, refine the competitive set such that you're one of the only people out there who is doing what you do.
2: You know, it's funny, I, I have a very good friend who runs an SEO firm, and he's now begun branching out to some other audiences. But for a very long time, like for a good couple of years, when he first started, um, he, his only focus was that he was going to do SEO for um, plastic surgery uh, companies. And that was it. And like, he was the he was the guy. He was the guy. So when people in those businesses went to look for, you know, that kind of service, he popped up and he was the name that was being passed around and it worked to build a big platform so that when he decided, okay, well, I've done that. Now I want to reach out into some other areas and, and, you know, use, use what I've learned. He was actually able to do that and pivot quite nicely. So it kind of just, you know, reamplifies the point that we were making, you know, start in one place and really put your effort there to, to establish yourself at that point. And then once you've established yourself, then it's okay to get out there and, and, branch out a little bit further. Um, and, you know, Finn, you, you and I um, and the rest of the guys with GGD have talked about this a ton yeah. with how we're going to be marketing our products going forward and releasing new drum libraries and other things that we're working on. You know, it's very important that we establish ourselves first in one area with without confusing ourselves or confusing other people before we branch out. So you can do it. But um, again, it's just very important to, to, to start in one place and figure out what, what one thing makes you different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think to kind of wrap this, this you know, point up, um, that's really the main thing. It's a combination of figuring out who you are, what your fingerprint is, what are your talents, what are you really good at, and then again, what makes you different. And there, there's, as Finn said, there's no rules, right? It's up to you to decide what that is. And, you know, a good way to, to figure that out for yourselves, if you've never done these exercises is, you know, once you do figure out what you're good at and what you're passionate about, then figure out who it is that you are passionate about. If you could market your service to any particular audience, or if you could help a specific group of people, or if you're super excited about reaching people via a, a specific medium go with what excites you because the more things that you do that you're passionate about the more things that you do that that can excite you with all the hard work you're going to have to put in the better chance you have of enjoying your work every day and therefore succeeding further you know so it's not just like well i'm going to pick this area because it seems like you know uh, there's a big hole there's yeah. an opportunity yeah there there might be an opportunity but if you fucking hate the direction you're going, or you hate the audience, or, you know, it's just something that doesn't excite you, then what kind of work is that every day? You know, you don't want to fall into that. In the long term, you're going to be more successful, you're going to be happier, and I think you're going to be able to help more people if you combine your talents with uh, a group of people or a medium, again, or an industry or an audience that you are also really passionate about. And I then think that's the, what the matters plan, just here, to too. It. Absolutely. Just say no yeah, you to anything stick that's with
1: not in that, in that area, don't do it, which is hard, because it might be exciting. A lot of creators and entrepreneurs, they have, you know, shiny object syndrome, which is they see some new thing and they want to go play with it, right? Like, ooh, yep. painting, I'm going to start painting. Okay, cool. I, painting sounds fun, but just ask yourself, like, are you at a point where you can, like, deviate from the plan? If you are, Great. But you probably aren't. You should probably go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up painting later. For now, I'm gonna focus on this thing that I said I was gonna focus on for the next two years.
2: For sure. And you know, if if people are curious about things like, you know, how long they should focus on something, or um, you know, when do I know if it's working or not working? Um, and I'm not. This is a shameless plug in certain ways for the Punk Rock MBA, but we do have some videos out there specifically one in particular, Finn, that you put out there on setting goals and setting a, a realistic goal that is specific, that uh, is quantified, and then also has a deadline. And so if you go back and, and, and watch that, that might help answer that question for you. But I think the, the key here is to give yourself a realistic deadline um, that isn't just like a couple weeks, like really put some time in. It should be a matter of months or maybe even a full year to dedicate uh, to building whatever it is that you're trying to build, so that you can you can not only have I think a, a nice window of time to potentially achieve what you're trying to achieve, but also learn about what's working and what isn't. Because you might find in that period of time that holy shit, these three things that I do are working really really well to get to this audience and to and and you know to to reach people. But these other things aren't working, or you might find that none of it works, and you need to you know kind of reposition yourself completely. But Don't just, you know, make this a flash in the pan. Um, Really give yourself some time and dig into this and commit to it. The the most successful people I know, if they haven't been naturally obsessed with the thing they're working on, they've at least forced themselves to be disciplined for a certain period of time and given themselves the opportunity to learn and see what's going to work and, and what's not going to work.
1: Patience wins. Uh, okay, we have got a couple of questions here. Um, if uh, if there's any, I'm gonna start taking those. If that's cool, anything else you
2: wanted to add? No, I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, by all means, for anyone who's who's listening uh, or watching, please send us some some questions or, or comments and questions, and we're happy to take some time to answer. Uh,
1: okay, first one is from uh, Jonathan. I don't know how to say last name Nosp. I think K N S O P. My area of focus is audio production slash sound design, which seems harder to market than videography or editing. Any tips for promoting that service? Um, so I'll, I'll start with this is, well, for one, I happen to know somebody who did this uh, as a contractor for Microsoft. And I think he made about 125 grand a year doing that. And it was like very easy stuff for like games that they were doing, just making bloops and bleeps for their games. So that work is definitely out there. Uh, however, uh, so first thought is I love that you have actually picked something that's a fairly small market and, and that enables you to charge a high fee as my friend did. The second thing is though, that you're going to need to figure out basically what you do is figure out who writes the checks for these projects and then put yourself in the same place as they are and show them your work. I mean, that's basically what it is. So I don't know enough about that world to know what the title of the people, you know, is it like a, I don't know. Is there a sound supervisor? I don't know what the title is, but figure out who those people are and start, you know, introducing yourself to them in the right way. We do go into networking quite a bit in the class and we'll probably do a webinar about it, but that's it. Find out who writes the checks for sound design projects and go meet them.
2: Yeah. And I mean, look, you know, there's obviously companies in specific areas like, you know, whether it is video games or movies, um, you know, groups like that or industries like that where sound design is very important, but, Obviously, you could work with artists or bands, um, you know, groups or people like that. But I think Finn is right. You really have to put yourself in the same place as these people, and not just digitally online. Yes, you know, figure out where these people are, are physically going uh, on a weekly basis, and, and get there and show them your work. Um, we have this this um, sort of saying or mantra that Finn and I deliver in our marketing course which is good work plus a good network equals success. And the networking part, especially with a service business, like you know, in, if you are doing sound design or offering audio production, um, you know, a, a huge chunk that goes along with your talent and differentiation is networking and growing your network and being physically in the same places as, as your audience. So yes. don't be afraid to put yourself out there.
1: The other thing I'd suggest is focusing even more so within sound design, I don't know what the different areas are, but you know, there's probably video games, commercials, movies, like, I don't know what they are, but like pick one of those and focus on that. Like, don't just do sound design, do sound design for video games or sound design for commercials or whatever it is. And I think then you'll, you know, for all the reasons we talked about before have more success. Uh, sure. next one from my friend, Chris Gleeby. Hello, Chris. Thank you very much for, wa- for watching. I worked with Chris about 10 years ago at an awesome motion graphics firm. I was just a freelancer. Chris has been there for a long time. An awesome, awesome motion graphics firm called Lightborn in Cincinnati. So you should definitely check them out. Uh, Chris says, what if you are actually, actually legitimately proven good at various things? Did I just pick what I like the most? So this is an interesting one because, you know, Chris is, uh, I think he's probably about 41 or something like that. He's been doing this shit for a long time. He's extremely good at, like, graffiti art. He's been doing it for decades. He's also extremely good at, you know, motion graphics at, uh, at basically, like, anything involving video. So they do, like, all the video backdrops for Kenny Chesney and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So... Chris is one of these people who can legitimately say that he is excellent at more than one thing. Now, it took Chris twenty some years to get there, right? So uh, I think he has earned that. Um, and if uh, you know, if you've if you've put in the decades of work it takes to legitimately master a couple things, I don't think you need my advice. <laughs> I think you're good. Um, so if you want to get there, I would say just you know keep putting in that work. That's my two cents.
2: Yeah i agree with that however i think there there is the ability to get a bit scattered to um potentially even take on too many projects at once you know it, it's very easy to want to say yes to taking on different work um and if you're taking on two completely different projects at the same time no matter how good you are at both things um i think that could be a challenge and you could kind of find yourself a bit stressed out so at least if i were in that position what i would do is i would try to focus one at a time on the things that I like the most and and I do like the way that Chris you position this question should I pick the one that I like the most yeah that's what I would do because it's gonna give me the most enjoyment and then you know once that's finished and I do a great job from that point on um, you know I can take on the next project even if I don't like it as much if I'm really good at it hopefully I enjoy it enough to, to legitimately take it on you know here's a um, question uh,
1: that I think you'll have a good answer for from Kyle. Ganger, I guess. How do you keep okay. positive in a creative field? I can't seem to shake having validation from my peers as a motivating factor for me.
2: Man, if we listen to what our peers said to us about even what we're doing right now, then, you know, we would probably be hiding in a quarter somewhere. Uh, I mean, know, we literally had waiting. a
1: conversation 15 minutes before the webinar.
2: Yeah. I mean, guys, like go, go look at my most recent Instagram post and look at the comments on there. Um, you know, it's, 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 people are always trying to tell us that we suck or that we're wasting our time or, you know, whatever it is, you, you really have to just tune that shit out. Um, it is awesome to get constructive criticism. It is fantastic to get feedback from your customers, your clients, your friends, um, who legitimately are, uh, willing to help you and and have great intentions. At the end of the day, you know, if people are trying to just kind of tear you down, make a joke out of what you do, talk shit, you have to really learn how to tune that out. And I know that's not what you asked about, but it's a topic that it's been said we were just recently discussing. You know, you just kind of have to ignore that kind of shit because it's not productive to waste any time on it. Um, what What is more productive is to have the conversation with yourself, as we talked about earlier in this webinar, of what are you passionate about? what makes you different, and what's your intention as far as helping people through your work. And if you can genuinely help people through what you're doing and you believe wholeheartedly that what you're doing is a positive thing, then don't let anybody else steer your ship. You are the captain of your own ship and you need to drive that ship. And again, you know, other people are going to have great opinions and, and and great input. It doesn't mean you have to listen to it. You can always take people's comments into consideration. You can always sort of ponder what other people are saying. But at the end of the day, this is your thing. You're putting in the work on a day to day basis. No one should be making the decisions about what you do with your life except for you. So just really, just try to tune out that shit. That's the best advice I can give you. It takes practice. Um, Sometimes it's frustrating. You know, you can have 100 positive comments, two of which are terrible. And those two terrible ones are going to weigh you down way more than the 98 positive ones or 100 positive ones. But you have to, again, look at the metrics there. 100 people are saying that what you're doing is great. Two people are trying to fuck with you and tell you that you're stupid. Well, you know what? Don't listen to them because at the end of the day, your intentions and, and the, the positive feedback always wins
1: there's a common thing that I've noticed with pretty much everybody I know who's like very good and successful at what they do, which is they don't give a fuck what anybody thinks or says, except for the very small number of people who they respect and they care a lot what those people think. Right. So if it's like some random kid on the internet who tells me that my video is corny, I don't care. If Matt tells me it's corny, I care. And I'm going to take that very seriously. So that, that's, that's kind of how I look at like peer validation. Like, who are, are they actually your peer or are they just some random person? You know, like find the people that you actually respect and whose opinions you actually value. And, you know, if, if they give you validation, that means something. But what is validation from somebody you don't even know? What is that even worth? Who cares? Like it's not worth much one way or the other, whether it's positive or negative. So to me, that's just for, kind of. An empty sure. You know, and, and there's
2: one, there's one sort of caveat to this, which is, Every now and then, you get someone who is is you know really uh, notable or knowledgeable on a specific topic, who is willing to share their expertise with you. But that person is not likely going to approach you the way internet trolls will approach you. That that person will, will reach out to you and say, "Hey, you know, I'm seeing what you're doing. Um, I really get it." And I have some advice or I have some insight or experience here. Let me help you. So, you know, uh, it's good to vet those people as well, as long as they approach you the right way. But you can usually distinguish between someone who's genuinely trying to offer constructive criticism for a a, a positive uh, outcome versus someone who's just literally trying to shit on you to make themselves feel better.
1: A question from Adam Pelchat. Do you guys think that starting to take music slash audio seriously at 30 is a bit late? I feel a bit old, but I didn't have the experience in musicianship when I was 20 to pursue this seriously. Well, what do you think?
2: I think it depends how good you are. I mean, this is that this is what we're talking about. You have to have that conversation with yourself. You know, what makes you different? What is going to make you stand out from everybody who's already had 10 or 20 years um, kind of a head start on you? Do you have something, you know, that you developed from age 20 to age 30 that really makes you stand out from the crowd? Are you specializing in a specific area? If you can answer these questions for for yourself really clearly and you know exactly what the answer is and you believe in what you're offering, then age is just a number. Go for it. Um, But if you legitimately feel like, you know, you're just kind of falling in with everybody else that's out there, and you know, you don't really feel like you can offer something that's that different or specialized. And um, yeah, maybe it's not the right time. You know, thirty years old. You know, even though we say age is just a number, you know, there there are more responsibilities. And I don't know what what kind of responsibilities you have. Whether you're single, whether you have you're married, whether you have kids, a mortgage, rent, whatever it is. Um, but you do have to look at that stuff when you are making these kinds of decisions. You know. You can't just throw caution into the wind completely and, you know, neglect the people that rely on you or, you know, uh, the responsibilities you have. But if you do have something that is truly special, then it might be worth it to then figure out how you can balance responsibility with diving headfirst into your creative passion.
1: Well, I'll say, you know, Matt and I are good cop, bad cop. Matt's a good cop. I'm the bad cop. Okay. (laughs) here, <laughs> my, my thought is this, um, and I've experienced this a number of times. My mom used to tell me this. Be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Um, I have no doubt that, you know, anybody who puts their mind to it can be successful in the music business, you know, at 30 years old. You know, you can do it if you really want to. But I've experienced many times in my career, a thing that I worked really hard for that I was sure was like, oh, man, once I get this thing, once I put my hands on this thing, I'm like, oh, fuck, finally, everything's going to be good. And I'm like, I can breathe. And I got close enough to it. I either got it or I got close enough to it that I could kind of see it. And then once I got close enough, I could see, oh, man, it's actually not as cool as I thought. Like, I had this idealized version of it in my head where, you know, once I had this thing, my life was going to be complete and perfect but now that I'm up closer to it, I see all these flaws, and I see a bunch of stuff about it that makes me go, ah, fuck, maybe I, maybe I spent the last five years working towards this thing that I don't actually want. Oops. And uh, with music in particular, I have noticed that there is a huge wave of people. You know, I'm 39, so I've seen this happen a lot of times. Once you get to be 30, 32 years old, a whole lot of people quit music. Um, you know, for all the reasons Matt said. So I'm sure that you can do this if you put your mind to it, but maybe just, you know, be honest with yourself about, A, what you bring to the table, and then, B, if that is actually the lifestyle you want. And the same would go for, you know, any other kind of really demanding, grinding lifestyle, like, say, you know, being a, a, a starting, a you know, a tech company or something like that. Like, is that really, you know, can are you are you willing and able to put yourself through that grind at that age? And that's a question only you can answer.
2: For sure. Um, and so there's one more question here that Finn, I think, you know, you may have some, um, good opinions about. Um, but, uh, it looks like Elon, uh, Benita or Benita, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. So sorry, Elon, but, uh, he says, talking about picking one. Do you think you can market yourself or your brand under different names if you're going to develop different products and services? Thank you guys for the question.
1: So I, I know Elon also personally, uh, he used to work for the engineer, Chris Crummett, if you know him. So Elon's an excellent producer from France. Hello. Uh, thank you for joining us here. Um, so uh, let me just m- maybe explain this a little bit more because I think I understand what he's saying. So let's say that you are um, a you know creative service provider, you're a designer or producer, whatever it is that you do, and you want to start selling stuff. Um, Whether that's a different service or, you know, you want to start selling a product or something like that, like, should you have a different name for each of these things or should it just be all under the same name? Uh, I think there's pros and cons to each of those. The uh, pro is that um, by coming up with individual names for each one of these things, you know, there's greater room to grow. You know, if they all have their own name. Uh, then you can really build each one of those things into whatever they want to be. So it can be very specific and can grow forever. Uh, The downside is that that's a lot of work. So maintaining three or four or five brands is a shitload of work. Managing one brand is hard enough, let alone four or five. Uh, The second thing uh, is that if in the case of an individual, like, so again, if you're a creative service provider, the reality is that we connect with other humans more than we do with brands. So I'm way more excited about hiring Matt Halpern than I am with hiring you know, Halpern Drum Services, Inc. You know what I mean? Like one of those, even if it's the same human doing the same thing, it's like just putting the name of a company on it makes it feel a little bit less personal. Uh, however, that also makes it more legitimate. So again, that's the pros and cons, but if you want to use a company name instead of your own personal name. You have to think about what is it going to take to build up that brand so that people will connect with it in the same way as they do a human. So uh, we're actually going to cover this in marketing class. We said we weren't going to talk about it today, but we are since it came up. Um, what we what we think is a good option for most people, again, any of these things are are potentially valid, is like a branded name. So what's the name of the guy you know, the uh, the designer?
2: Uh, Daniel Wagner, uh, who I don't know if he's watching or not, but some of you guys may know him. but uh, Daniel branded himself as D-Dub, and then his company is D-Dub Design. and pretty much everyone I know uh, who has worked with him, there's a lot of people in the music uh, industry, and in, at least in my world, who have worked with him, they call him D-Dub, you know, that's now his name, and that's what he brands himself as.
1: Yeah, so in this way, he's kind of got the best of both worlds. He has something that sounds a little bit more credible than just Daniel Wagner, uh, but it's also still personable enough that it feels like you know uh, you, you have that same personal connection that you would with a human. So I, I think that is a good way to go. You know, GGD get good drums for any of the Periphery fans watching. That's another example of I think a smart way of building a brand while still retaining that human connection.
2: Yeah, and it, yeah, it just just so happens to work. And Nolly has a really good <laughs> last name for this, <laughs> so we got lucky there. Yeah, uh, it worked well.
1: All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer